Hello, friends. Hello, friends. Hello, friends. <clears throat> hello, hello, hello. Hello, friends, and what? Mm. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode nine. I don't like the way that sounds. Hello, friends. Hello, friends. Friends, hello. People of Earth. <clears throat> hello, friends, and welcome to episode 955 of... No, no, not okay. Are you guys hearing that? Am I going to leave all this in? Probably not. Hold on. All right. <clears throat> Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 955 of the Juicebox Podcast. Nailed it! Sammy's with me today. She has type 1 diabetes and is blind. She also has some other issues. She's had a transplant. There's a lot going on here. This is a very, 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 very interesting and honest interview. While you're listening to it, please remember that nothing you hear on the Juicebox podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. Drinkag1.com forward slash juicebox. That's my link to get started with AG1. When you use the link, you'll get five free travel packs and a year's supply of vitamin D with your first order. My Cozy Earth offer code now gets you 40% off everything at CozyEarth.com. That offer code, Juicebox. I'm talking about super comfortable, luxurious bedding, clothing, and towels. CozyEarth.com. Use the offer code, Juicebox, at checkout to save 40% off your entire order. All right, I hope you enjoy Sammy as much as I did. I'll see you on the other side. Today's episode of the Juice Box Podcast is sponsored by Dexcom. Dexcom, of course, makes the Dexcom G6 and Dexcom G7 continuous glucose monitors. Dexcom.com forward slash juice box. The podcast is also sponsored by Touched by Type 1. They've got their big event coming up soon. I'm going to be there speaking. You should come. TouchedbyType1.org. The event is free and open to everybody whose lives are touched by type 1 diabetes. Hi, I'm Sammy, and I am a diabetic um, who is blind from type 1 diabetes. Okay. Sammy, you were how old when you got type 1? 17. How old are you now? 48. 17, 48. Okay. And uh, was there other type 1 in your family or other autoimmune diseases? No, no one on either side. It was... It was new. I didn't even, in high school, I didn't, I never even heard of the word diabetes, never heard of the the, the disease. So it was all, all new to me and my family. And just 17 years old, bang, here it is. That's 31 years ago. Is that right? No. Yep. Yeah, no, I'm yep. right. Um, okay. So in the early nineties? Yep. 92, the, the end of my junior year. So this is right around the time. People are transitioning to faster insulins away from maybe starting to get away from regular and MPH. Did you start? What did you start with? Um, I just remember it was a violent syringe. <laughs> um, 
I honestly don't remember what I started with. Um, at that time, I was sighted. Um, and over a two-week period is when I kind of experienced the symptoms of weight loss and having to urinate all the time, dry mouth. Didn't really think anything of it. Um, my brother had mentioned something, and so went to the doctor and tested my blood sugar, and it was over 600. Wow. Your brother mentioned that you look like you lost weight? Yeah, yeah. Um, interesting age. So you're 17. Does this lead to your parents saying, Sammy, we're going to help you with this? Or does it lead them to say, well, this is your thing. You're going to have to take care of it. Or how does that go? Uh, like I said, it was it was new to all of us. So we were learning, we were learning together. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that time, back in the 90s, I kind of had an older doctor who was kind of by the book where no sugar, you know, <laughs> none of that good stuff. And I'm like, I'm a teenager. I live off of sugar. I live off of Mountain Dew and Snickers. Um, and so that was a big, a big step to try to change, but I didn't. I just thought the doctor was, didn't know nothing. I'm a teenager. Nothing's going to happen to me. I'm invincible. I know better. Right. Um, so, so you're met with change your diet and you say, no, I'm not going to do that. No, I didn't, I didn't say, cause I was still in that kind of fear mode of what is happening to me. Um, and don't know what, what it's going to bring to my future, you know? Um, so I just kind of did it on the sly, <laughs> um, underneath, kind of underneath my parents' nose and they were trying to help me eat right and stuff. But when you're at school, vending machines, that was my, that was my go-to lunch. Um, how were you so, doing the insulin? Was it, do you remember, were you shooting it twice a day? Were you shooting it at meals? How were you, how was the management set up? It was supposed to be with meals, but oftentimes I skipped because I was um, in be- trying to in between classes and stuff. Um, didn't, I would check my blood sugar at my locker trying to be really discreet. Um, and so oftentimes I just skipped it and kind of guessed on what I ate and what my blood sugar was and kind of went from there. And over 12 years, that kind of habit um, led to losing my sight. Wow. How long did that take to happen? Um, it happened in 04. So it was a, over, it was gradually over eight months. Um, I noticed, um, ironically, I was working at a deaf and blind school. Um, and I woke up one morning and my eyes were swollen and my vision was blurry and it'd take half a day for my vision to return. Uh, so then I decided to go to see an eye doctor. And they said my both of my retinas were detaching. Um, and I would need surgery. And then at that time, I was working part-time, no insurance. And back in the 90s, if you didn't do college or anything, you worked under your parents' insurance. So after 18, I was on my own. Yeah. So no insurance. Paying out of pocket for meds. That I, I really couldn't afford um, using syringes twice, sometimes three times, just to save money. <laughs> um, so it was a lot of a lot of mistakes for sure. Um, so but, that that onset of of that issue is about twelve years after your diagnosis. Yeah. Okay. And for those twelve years, I want to try to give people a picture. And by the way, you're very kind to come on and talk about all this. Um, 
what what did you not do for 12 years that I think that's what I want to know about. Like, and, and were you not doing it because you didn't know better? Were you not doing it because you just thought, Oh, it's not going to happen to me. Like, what was your whole mindset around it? Oh yeah. But I'm like, it's going to interfere with my life, with my sports. Um, again, nothing's going to happen to me, you know, going into my early twenties, very active in sports. Um, and taking the time, like in between games, especially on the weekends, competitive softball, there's no, you know, you didn't really have time. So, um, just skipped, like I said, skipped eight meals, skipped my insulin, sugar was skyrocketing high, would take it just for the blood sugar, the correction, and then it would drop with the sports. So it was, it was a roller coaster up and down all the time more so on the high side than the low side. We're talking 300s, 400s. Um, and back then I would, wouldn't feel sick like some people do. Um, it was more of uh, the dry mouth that I would experience. And I would think, oh, yep, I know it's high. Um, two, trying to save on test strips because those are expensive too. Mm-hmm. So guessing what my blood sugar was based off how I felt. So, so a lot of um, misbehaving, I guess. I'm like, again, couldn't afford to go to the doctor, so try to do everything on my own. And at that time, I'm still new to it. So a lot, a lot of guessing of what I should do, and a lot of bad guessing. Do you recall getting information from doctors that was valuable that you were ignoring or, or misunderstanding, or was it not even coming? Um, it was probably there. I mean, back then there was no internet, nothing. Um, so it was, it was paper and I'm like, I don't have time to sit here and read this, you know? Um, but it wasn't, I don't even think I even met with a nutritionist back then too. Um, it was just strictly the doctor. And like I said, she was kind of older and old fashioned and I, 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 I didn't like her. My parents didn't like her, but that's, that's who I had as a doctor. So Again, trying to avoid not going to see her was my, was my biggest thing. And then she retired and got a new doctor, which was younger and who I liked a lot. Um, I, but again, still couldn't afford the appointments, couldn't afford the insulin, the syringes, the test strips. So a lot of right. Your parents, skipping. your parents couldn't afford to help you either. No, uh-uh. we had four brothers, so it was, <laughs> it was tight. Was there ever any conversation about what the the consequence would be of that? Um, probably. Um, I don't remember, but probably. And I, I know over the years, um, doctors would kind of warn me. I'm like, hey, you don't know nothing. You know, this is my health, my life. I'm okay. Um, but I did notice a few years and before I lost my vision in 04 that my vision would get blurry. And I just thought, well, I'm working nights. I'm tired. My eyes are tired, um, but I never got my eyes checked because I couldn't afford to be there. Um, so there were signs that I just ignored. Yeah. No, I understand. Um, what does it mean that you lost your sight? What What is the level of, are you sighted? No vision. There's no, no vision, no, nothing whatsoever. Okay. So things are like, as you and I are talking right now, how do you describe what you, what, what you take in? Is it black? Like blackness. Yeah. Like if you were, if you were in a dark room, that's like, you don't see anything. Or if you close your eyes, there's nothing there. Right. Is it, um, 
helpful in your day-to-day life that you were cited for a while or does it not matter? Um, it's yeah, it, I, I, I definitely miss it. Um, I miss my brothers growing up and now I have nephews that I've never seen or last time I seen them was two years old and they're 28 and 23 now. Mm-hmm. So that's the last image I have in my mind is the last time I saw them. My two younger brothers were elementary and middle school so there's a lot of things that I've, I, I miss for sure. I miss driving <laughs> for sure. Um, Uber and Lyft is great, but it's expensive. Um, and so not being able to get in the car and go whenever I want to, wherever I want to, um, is something I, I, I really miss. But on the flip side of that is I've met so many nice people as a blind person. Um, and I tell people that I've been more blessed as a blind person than I was as a sighted person. Um, and kind of what I mean by that is, as a, for me, as a sighted person, more superficial. Um, hanging around those who maybe were prettier than me or um, more athletic than me, just to try to fit in. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I don't, I don't, you know, I don't see skin color. I see personality. I see what comes from the heart. Yeah. Um, and that makes a big difference as to who is in my life now and before. What are um, day-to-day, day-to-day, are there things that you can't accomplish that you miss or do you just adapt? Yeah, adapt. There's lots of um, technology out there. Like the Apple has what's called voiceover. And Apple specifically created that for blind and, vis- <clears throat> blind and visually impaired people. So that's been helpful. I've been able to use a cell phone. My laptop is what's called JAWS, which is um, Job Access with Speech. So it's what's called a screen reader. So it can read it, what's on my screen, anything that I type. Same thing with the phone. So that's been helpful. There's talking, uh, meters. there's... Um, talking scales, just just a lot of technology out there that I didn't really have when I first lost my vision. Um, and now it's like, I, you know, I don't need to, I learned Braille, but I couldn't read it because I had neuropathy in, in my hands, in my fingertips, and neuropathy in my feet. Um, so Braille was really no use to me. Um, so the technology has been for me, a good blessing because I'm able to um, do things on my own. It's very rare that I ask for help, um, whether it's finding something or uh, like say my phone's acting up and I can't scan the the barcode to get the nutritional information for my carbs and serving size and stuff like that. Um, that's when I rely on family and friends. But for the most part, I can live on my own. Wow. Um, what do you think your A1Cs were for those 12 years? Double digits for sure. In my early 20s, as a type 1 diabetic, I was drinking a 12-pack of Mountain Dew a day. Um, and now I just drink strictly water. I'm more plant-based than anything. Um, and that's helped my blood sugars quite a bit, um, especially with, I should say, chronic kidney disease, which led to end-stage renal disease, which now leads to dialysis. So all that's coming from uncontrolled diabetes. Yeah. Um, 
have you how long have you been on dialysis? Um couple months. Couple months. And what what's the prognosis? What are, what are you hoping to have happen? Are you waiting for a transplant? Yeah, my older brother is a match. I had a, my first transplant was in 06. My dad gave me one of his kidneys. Um in 07 I had a pancreas transplant, which was great cuz no more no more diabetes. Um that failed unexpectedly two and a half years later. So in 2010, I believe, um, back to being a type one diabetic, 2013 had another pancreas transplant, which lasted five years and that failed unexpectedly as well. So back to being a diabetic again. Um, and now I am in July 10th, I will go to one of the hospitals where I'm at and get evaluated for a transplant. My older brother is a match. So that's good. I don't have to wait years to, to find somebody, especially with three transplants, the antibodies are are harder to match. Yeah. Um, and so, but thankfully he's, he's a match. And then once he does his evaluation, I do my evaluation. We get our testing completed. We can put something on the calendar for a transplant. Can you tell me what it's like to approach a person and ask them a question like that? Um, uh, hey, family, does anybody want to donate <laughs> one of your kidneys? Um, my older, let's see, I have four brothers. Um, my two younger brothers um, have kids, so I didn't want to approach them. Yeah. Um, my second brother is single, and he... He wanted to donate, but I know he's a little, he's nervous to do so. My older brother, he's got two older sons in their 20s. So he felt comfortable enough to to get tested. Wow. It seems like a really difficult thing to ask somebody. It is. Um, there's a lot, I mean, the typical risk involved, um, but there's no, even though my older brother's a match, there's no guarantee that my body's going to accept it. Right. Even with the rejection meds. So there's that chance of going through this whole process, going through the surgery, and then my body says, no, no, thank you. And then it's dialysis for the rest of my life. Yeah. Is there any chance to grab another pancreas while they're in there or? No, they say, because it has to be on the right side. And so the, the vessels and arteries that are used or have been used already twice. I should say three times because I still have my original pancreas for the the digestive enzymes right. um, and the transplanted pancreas is more for the insulin. So that's, I was hoping, but that's out of the question. So the kidney can is transplanted in the front, um, right of, kind of by the hip bones. Um, my first one for my dad is on the right side. So for my brother is going to be on the left side. So this is probably going to be the final one. And <laughs> I'm hoping it'll last. Yeah. Well, I hope so too. Forever. Yeah. Uh, you're in a unique position to answer a question. So you've already said, you know, it's not going to happen to me. I'm young, like that kind of thing. Like that's how everybody thinks. Mm -hmm. And when they're faced with the, the idea of what could happen, everybody just, they, they dismiss it somehow, right? They're like, oh, that won't happen, blah, blah, blah. But when it actually happens and there's no rewind button, can you explain how that feels internally? 
loss, fear, um, my life is over. Um, I, when my when I was losing my vision over the the eight months, both of my retinas had detached by then. My optic nerves were dead, and little vessels were growing out to try to get oxygen. Um, but the eye doctor that I was going to was was lasering them to, to shut that down. And every time he did that, my vision got worse. Um, so knowing that from full vision as it, as it gets smaller and smaller, kind of like tunnel vision, and then you wake up one day and there's nothing, absolutely nothing is terrifying. <laughs> How am I going to live my life? Um Am I going to have to live at home forever? You know, I mean, when I worked at the deaf and blind school, I had seen the deaf students travel quite a bit, you know, and they're way younger than I was. I'm like, they can do it. But, you know, now in my 20s going on 30, how is it even possible for me? Um, But you learn, like you said, you learn to adapt. um, And it's always, you're always kind of in survival mode because it is a world of the sighted. So it's hard to thrive in a society that kind of looks down on people with disabilities. And you're always out there trying to prove yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's difficult too, um, of being looked at as a liability instead of an asset. Because people with, th- with disabilities tend to work harder because they know how hard it is to get a job. And once they get a job, they want to stick with it. So they tend to work harder and are more dedicated than able-bodied people. Was there, um, was there self-reflection as the vision was waning? Like, did you, um, did you say, Oh my God, what did I do? I can't believe I did this. Was, did you, but did any of that happen? And, and my, and my, my follow-up question to that is, are you the same person now you were when you were 27 or are you a completely different person? Um, yes, self-reflection. Even now, self-reflection. I mean, going on 19 years later, mm-hmm. still self-reflection, self-reflection all the time um, because I'm missing out on stuff. Um, my family's so used to me moving around the house without my, without my white cane that they tend to forget that I'm blind. Same thing with friends. So, hey, it's over there. You know, mm-hmm. it's over there. Uh, well, where is over there? Um so stuff like that really kind of hurts in a way um, that they're, I mean, in a way it's, it's nice that they're forgetting that I'm blind, that they're not treating me any differently. But on the other hand, it's like, you know, you can't, you can't put a, a sharp knife in the sink <laughs> and not tell, and not tell me, you know, right. um, you know, little stuff like that. Or, or if you're going to move stuff, Hey, give me a heads up. I've broken nine toes Mm. um, from objects being in, in the walkway, you know, um, my path. And so forgetting to tell me, I'm like, Oh, well, too too late. Another broken toe. Um, I'd say the second part of that for sure. I've, I'm a different person for sure. Um, In some, in good ways and bad ways. I know I have a lot of irritation, um, get irritable, quite a bit of people trying to be my voice and trying to do things that they think I, I need or want to do. And a lot of times 
we may not need help or want help. So the best thing is to ask instead of assume. Um, right. So you try, I mean, I try to be patient. It's always a, a teaching lesson and a learning lesson um, for others as well as because a lot of them, a lot of people have never interacted with a person with a disability. Um, so I try to take that moment to teach and have them learn something new instead of kind of being, Oh, you're such a jerk. You're so ignorant, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it might go through my mind. <laughs> of, hey, if I put on the Uber app, Hey, I'm blind, need assistance. And they, you know, they pull up and don't say anything to me. And I'm like, is this my car? Is it not my car? So then yeah, right. <laughs> it's like you're lit- Yeah. And then you if know, you initiate and it's not an Uber, but it's somebody with ill intentions, they'll be like, yeah, this is the Uber. Get in. Yeah. 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 And uh. I, and I've done that where I've tried to get in a different car because I thought it was the Uber or Lyft and it's not, <laughs> and it's not because the driver doesn't say anything or they don't hop out of the car and say, Hey, yeah. Hey, Sammy, you know? And so, um, stuff like that, it's kind of frustrating for sure. Um, but you try to take it in stride and try to show patience for sure. Like I said, a lot of people, they see people with disabilities, but never have really interacted with them. Right. And we're just the same as everybody else. We bleed red, just like you. We have a heartbeat. We have a mind, we have a voice, but we're not treated like that, which is, which is really hard. Yeah. I can't imagine, honestly. Do you, do you ever have like one-to-one feelings? Like I traded my sight for Mountain Dew. Like, like, do you know what I mean? Like, did you ever think of it that way? Like, wow, I did these things and somebody told me not to, but I did it anyway. I was sure I was going to be okay. I was really wrong. And I don't even have, I have nothing to, do you know what I mean? It's not like you, it's not like you ended up with something for your trouble that was positive. And I, I guess I'm asking you, Sammy, because just in general, like about food, like forget diabetes for a second and your blindness and all that. Like every day people make decisions like that. And we, we, we say it, but I don't think anybody thinks it like, you know, a cigarette takes a certain amount of uh, moments off your life. Uh, Mm -hmm. A decision, you know, blah, blah, kills a brain cell, like that kind of thing. Like I'm going to run into something. I I play football and you know, blah, blah, blah. Like there's, there's trade-offs you're making and you're paying with the end of your life. And and I just don't think that anybody sees it that way. And I'm I'm I am almost desperately asking you to put into words like what like what would you not give to go back? Go to your browser, type in touchedbytype1.org. The one is the numeral one. When you get there, you can check around, look at the site, it's delightful. Or go right to that Programs tab and see what Touched by Type 1 does for people with Type 1 diabetes. After you've picked around a little bit, go right to that annual conference. That's where you're going to see that on September 16th, 2023, I, Scott, well, I don't think my name's there yet, but trust me, I'll be there. I'm going to be at Touched by Type 1's annual conference giving a number of different talks, and I hope you can be there with me. Touched by type1.org. Registration opens on August 1st. We're getting close, but go check out the uh, venue and, and see if you can't get your uh, ducks in a row to come uh, come see me. We'll say hi, take some pictures, smile. I'll smile. You don't have to if you don't want to. You want to try to look serious in the photo? It's fine with me, but I'm going to smile. 
touchedbytype1.org. Today's podcast is sponsored also by Dexcom. Dexcom.com forward slash juice box. I just typed it in. Oh, look at this. They've updated my page. It's very lovely and colorful. Cool people wearing Dexcom G7s. The new Dexcom G7, it says, the most accurate CGM system. Manage diabetes confidently with a powerfully simple Dexcom G7. That could be you. I won't read the site to you when you get there. But once you get there and read past those words, you're going to see a button that says Get Started. You can click on that, or you can scroll down and look a little bit uh, at the, and look more at the, uh, well, that was technical. Let me start over again. You can click on Get Started. And fill out the data and what's wrong with me? I feel like I hit my head. <laughs> Dexcom.com forward slash juice box. Click on get started. I- I'm lost. What am I? Am I having a hold on a second? <clears throat> hold on. All right, I got this. Dexcom.com forward slash juice box. Click on get started and you'll be taken to, and you'll be taken and you'll be taken. Yeah, taken and you'll be mother of. (laughs) Click on get started and you'll get taken down to the new patient form where you can get started with the Dexcom CGM. Fill out a little bit of information. Dexcom is going to get right back to you. But you can also look around the page and learn more. Learn more about the connected pumps that work with Dexcom G6. You can learn about getting started with Dexcom G7, take a look at the receivers, how it might work with your Apple Watch, what the device looks like on different people. And you can read about how you can share your data with up to 10 followers. There's so much information on this page. Don't don't worry about the fact that I'm something seems to be wrong with me. The page is terrific. G7 for Medicare, cost and coverage information, how it works, an overview of the product, Dexcom G6, Everything is at my link, dexcom.com forward slash juice box. I am now going to go make sure that I'm okay because I, I think it's possible I've, I've, I've banged my head and I'm not aware of it. Anyway, I'm going to leave all that in. You should know that there are times where I just, I can't talk. Uh, today was one of those times. Don't take that out on Dexcom though. Dexcom.com forward slash juice box. Touched by type1.org. Links in the show notes. Links at juiceboxpodcast.com. Oh, look at that. Now I'm rolling. Now it's over. Right. I, I mean, I'd give up everything to, to have, so even, even if it's for one day, Really, uh, I think, I think about that a lot of there are times where I give up my life just to, just to have vision for 24 hours, just to see my family, just to see my nephews. Hmm. Um, no, I mean that's what I I, I appreciate you saying that. Yeah, um, it's it's I mean it's I know it's going to be for because I um, to my in, so two thousand four I lost my vision and over the years because my eyes are not getting oxygen they started to change color. Um, I got cataracts and glaucoma and was treated for that, but it, um, so the my the whites of my eyes kind of turned yellowish. And my pupils were constantly dilated, and they started to shrink. So I could feel people staring at my eyes all the time. So I made the decision to get prosthetics in 2012. Okay. Um, 
And now people can't, people don't even know the difference. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they don't know that I have prosthetics unless I tell them or unless <laughs> one of my eyes is looking the other way, you know, um, sometimes that happens when I rub my eyes and forget about it. Um, <laughs> but other than that, you know, back in the day, I guess, kind of like marble types, um, where you, they would put it in the eye socket. So what they did for um, mine is they put like a, a tiny rubber ball in my eye socket and they stretched the muscle over it. And then the um, eye doctor hand, hand made my eyes and hand painted my eyes, which is kind of cool because I could choose a color. I used to have blue and now I have gray. Um, mm. So it's kind of cool that I could change my colors. With my, with the Medicare, I can change my eyes every five years, so I can get a new, <laughs> a new color every five years. I've had my original blue, I've had green, and now I have gray. Um, but, you know, that, that moment of there goes my eyes, there's no chance of in the future being able to see again. Yeah, um, it, it, it feels so similar to when my son left for college and I told him, I'm like, there are just a couple of things in life. You can't, if you do them, you can't go backwards and that they'll, that they'll stay with you forever. Mm -hmm. And, and you're not going to know that those things are going to be as impactful as they are. So I listed them out as I saw them for him. And, and it's funny because as you're talking, I almost picture you in a jail cell because you murdered somebody sitting there every day having to think about it and and saying I, I i wouldn't do this again like if you could let me do this again i i, I would do it differently um yeah, you put it into good words that's exactly what it feels like <laughs> yeah i'm so sorry uh, i mean it's it, not not especially but because even when you were diagnosed like they really weren't giving great advice at that point and the technology was specious and um, you know, and you're just being told, don't eat sugar. That's not valuable. Like, you know, just to tell somebody, Hey, just change everything. You know, you just had this diagnosis. You're 17. Now just go ahead and change everything about your life on top of that. And you have one year to figure it out, by the way, before you lose your insurance with your parents. Um, I mean, you, you weren't, you weren't given a level playing field. That's for certain. You know, I mean, I don't see this as your fault. Like you understand, I, I hope that's clear. I, I don't, I don't see it as fault. I just see it as very just bad luck circumstances. But at the same time, I don't know how you could possibly not put it on yourself internally. I think I would, I guess, is what I'm saying. Oh, yeah, for sure. I blame myself all the time for losing my vision. It's my fault for not taking care of my blood sugars, for not doing the insulin like I should have, for not listening to the, it's Yeah, there's always a, a blame. It's it's a heavy weight that I carry on my shoulders that I don't think will ever be removed. Yeah, but, and it isn't, isn't, like, if we're going to just say fault, like, it, yeah, I mean, okay, letter of the law, you did it, right? But, I mean, did you really know you were doing it while you were doing it? I mean, honestly, it's not like pulling the trigger on a gun. Like, I, if I point a gun at you and I pull the trigger, I have an expectation that the person I shoot is going to die. You didn't think that's what you were doing to yourself, though. No, absolutely not. I figured, well, you know, as long as I can get my sugars back down, everything is going to be okay. Mm. You know, I can make up for it. There was, um, and the reason I had reached out, because there was a podcast with a mother who had talked about her teenage son who 
kind of was doing the same thing that I did back then of catching up, kind of catching up. Um, and that's what made me want to come on the podcast and say, and say I, you know, I was in your shoes that you are in now. Don't continue down that path because look what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, yeah. And like I said, it's fearful. It's terrifying mm-hmm. to be able to go from 2020 vision to absolutely zero vision. And, and at the level of, at the level that you were managing at for those 12 years, I think that's about what I hear from people. Cause there are other people who've come on with other kidney issues or sight issues, et cetera. This like 10 year thing, like 10, 12 years, like of really not paying attention and not doing the things that you need to do. It seems to be about as long as your body can take it. Um, yeah. you know, for a lot of people, um, were you take you were taking some insulin, but what were mm-hmm. you doing? Like running background insulin, not really injecting for food all the time, stuff like that. Um, it was more just for food and not for correction. Um, cause again, the test strips didn't always test to see what my sugars were. So, okay. And I didn't really understand the whole carb issue as well. So I'm like, Oh, well, I'm going to guess. I know it's one over six, one for every six, but, and I'm not sure what these carbs are. Cause I didn't look at the label. They didn't really quite still understand it. Cause again, no nutritionist, no yeah. diabetic education. Um, just whatever the doctor said, here you, <laughs> here you go. This is what you're supposed to do. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I, well, I, I don't imagine that even people right now, like 2023, somebody who's 15, 20, 30, 25, 30 years old, even would, would, could believe that, but it's true. Like when we were growing up, Sammy, when we were growing up, no one discussed that any food was better or worse for you than any other food. Mm-hmm. That was not a consideration. Like soda was like soda was a thing from like happy days, like from the fifties, like a a treat that happened at a, at a diner, for example. And it was, and it was tasty and different and soda, like, you know, like no one, no one thought about it as a bad thing. My parents drank copious amounts of coffee. No one said, Hey, you probably shouldn't drink 10 pots of coffee a day. My dad smoked two and three packs of cigarettes a day. No one ever said to him, like, hey, that's going to kill you until time went forward and, and and society started talking about it differently. And that's the first time my dad was like, oh, people say this is going to kill me. Like, my dad would go into coughing fits that were, I mean, maybe beyond description. And it ended and everybody was just like, ha ha, like that happens to Ben. Like, do you know what I mean? I was like, we're like, yeah, no, yeah. like if you did that now, if you coughed in public, the way my father coughed 10 times a day, someone would have taken you to a hospital. And, and back then it, it just wasn't like that. And diabetes was, was that personified? Like, like, I wonder if that doctor didn't, wasn't saying to you, look, do this stuff. Don't eat sugar. Did they ever tell you you're not going to live long? I don't, I don't remember. Yeah, I don't, it's right on the cusp of when it started getting think, thought about differently. I mean, there are people older than you, or not older than you, but who have had diabetes longer than you, who have, who I've, I've spoken to or were told just like, I had a woman told leave college. It's not going to be worth it. You're not going to live that long anyway. And I mean, yeah. and when that's the expectation, then 
A, how are you supposed to live like that's not going to happen? And B, what are you expecting from doctors who think you're going to die anyway? Right. You know, yeah. and and I and you were just on that cusp right there of when we were starting to figure it out a little bit. It's so terrible. I am very sorry. I know that's not. I don't know if that's something you that you care to hear or not. But I mean, it does just seem to me that your situation, even if you're going to blame yourself for it, like it just seems random to me. Yeah. Yeah. And this the information that I know. Now, I mean, it's. Again, diabetes is is a moving target. <laughs> it doesn't stay still. You know, you could, for me, I've had lots of changes, even within days of the doctor setting my correction scale and my carb ratio. I'm like, okay, this is not working. I'm having lots of lows. I'm having lots of highs. It's, it's, it's constant, you know, it's constantly moving. And sometimes it's frustrating because my mind is set on this dose, but oh, darn it, I forgot I have to do this dose now. Um, and in that sense, it's kind of frustrating because it's always changing. And oh, now we have this new medicine. Oh, now we have this and this and this. And <laughs> it's like, well, which one is which one is best for me? I've been on this Novolog for a long time. That seems to work. Um, Why are you bringing so, up a different one or something like that? Yeah, and yeah. now now I take three insulins. So I have my Novolog with the meals, and then I take NPH in the morning with my transplant meds because I take prednisone every day. Oh. Um, and no other doctor has ever mentioned how prednisone could affect my sugars ever until this recent doctor. Isn't that fascinating? So you're taking yeah. a medication that you have to take that's driving and holding your blood sugar up and no one's ever put those the two and two together and said, hey, you know what, why don't we go back, reach back to this MPH stuff and so you have a nice background of, of you know, trying to push down on this number. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> no, I mean, I wish it, I, I have to tell you, Sammy, I wish it was, and I don't think it is. No. Um, no. Yeah. Wow. That's something else. Um, what is, uh, how are your outcomes now? Where, where's your A1C? What's your variability like? What are your goals? Um, last time I checked, I believe my A1C was a 6.9. Wow. Um, which came down from last year, I believe was at 11. Um, so I focused more on, especially going into end stage renal disease of, Hey, I really need to pay attention. Um, and there are days where I'm like, you know what? I don't care. I really don't care. Um, cause with dialysis, it just makes you weary all the time. You're so tired all the time that I don't, I don't feel like eating, but I know I have to eat. I know I have to take my insulin. I know I have to take my, my transplant meds. And that's what kind of keeps me, me going is these have tos. Um, I wish they weren't, but they are. Um, Can I, can I ask a question? Did the blindness not move you on the diabetes stuff? Was it the, was it the kidney stuff that got you to do differently? Yeah, it was more the kidney stuff. Yeah. Wow. Can you walk me through that a little bit? How did losing your sight not kick you into gear? Um, at that, so in 04, I had to, I had to, I had to move back with my parents again because I was working at a deaf and blind school. Couldn't drive anymore. So they had to come drive an hour and a half to come pick me up and all, <laughs> all of my stuff moved back home. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, it's, 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 when I lost my sight, 
I was so fearful of getting out of bed. I slept for 20 hours a day. My parents had to force me to get up to eat to take my insulin. Um, they did all of that for me until about six years, um, deep, dark depression. Um, my life is over. I can't live as a blind person. Um, of course, thoughts of, of suicide go through my head. But then I'm like, you know what? If those kids, and this is what kind of changed the tide of working at the school, there was a student who was blind and he was on the wrestling team. Um, and I was coaching, assistant coach to the basketball team. And I would just watch him travel the halls of the gym out on the campus back to the dorms all by himself. Like, oh, he can do it. And I know he's yet a lot younger than me. I should be able to do that too. Right. Um, and before that, I only had one interaction with um, a student who was blind in middle school. He had a locker next to mine. Um, and he would travel the sc- the school hallways. Um, and so that those two memories came back to me. Like if they can do it, I, I can, I can definitely do it. Um, so it took a lot of training. I went to like a blind training center, kind of refreshed my memory of how to cook, how to clean with different techniques and methods. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I mean, I knew blindness was, was already going to be permanent and there's nothing I could do to change it. But then with the chronic kidney disease, I don't even know why that struck more of a chord with me. Yeah. Cause maybe, maybe because I could, I could lose my life with the kidney disease versus blindness. Is it also maybe because you worked through the depression part of it too? Um, could be, I mean, there's still some depression there, of course, um, but it's not as, as drastic as it was back in 2004 to 2010. Back, um, back then, did you have a plan? Back No. No. Uh-huh. I was just going to be in bed the rest of my life, let my parents do everything. I was afraid to take my dishes to the sink, to walk 10 steps from the table to the sink. I was afraid to do that, that I'd drop it. And so I didn't do that for that. <laughs> I didn't do that for the longest time. Wow. And then I saw how somebody had to be home with me all the time because, again, um, vial and syringe, so they had to measure out my insulin. Hmm. So they would kind of take turns between their jobs and stuff of somebody being home with me all the time. I just, I just kind of felt and heard it in their voice of how exhausted they were. That's the second time you said that. So uh, the first time you said that you could feel people looking at your eyes. And, and yeah. I wanted to ask about that. Is it... Is it like, you know, when you're in a room, you can feel there's another person there, mm-hmm. but you don't, you don't have to see them to know. Like, it's almost like the air pressure is different or the pauses yes. are different or something. Is that the stuff yeah. you're reading when you're like, I know they're looking at my eyes right now? Yes. And you can kind of feel that, you know, sometimes when you feel someone staring at you, you know, mm-hmm. you know, someone's looking at you. Um, and that's kind of how it is. Again, there's an, everybody has an aura, so it can feel that. And like you said, the the pressure in the room changes. Like when I'm walking, I can feel like the tree overhead, like the branches overhead. I can feel that. Um, I can feel that there's a car next to me. I don't know how big it is, but I know there's something there. Right. Um, and um, so the same thing with when you're living alone with your parents, like you feel 
that is, can you feel that they're burdened by this, that, that they wish it wasn't happening? I'm sure nobody said it to you, but did yeah. you have that feeling? Yeah. Their energy had changed for yeah, sure. That's what I mean. Yeah. 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 Oh, and wow. I think it's still kind of that, that way too. They're older now. They're in their seventies and it's kind of where I'm helping to take care of them now. <laughs> wow. Um, my mom is deaf and my dad's hard of hearing. Um, so thankfully growing up, I knew sign language. Um, if I had lost my vision without knowing sign language, that would have been difficult to communicate with my mom, but we make it work. We do tactile signing where she can sign into my hands or use my body as part of the sign. And I sign to her. Yeah. Just anything. So, I mean, we, we, we make it work. Is there any lightheartedness about it at all? Anyone ever said, Hey, what a pair we make or something like that. Oh yeah. 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 Um, when my mom and I are out shopping, she's my eyes and her ears and people come on that up comment on that all the time. Oh, you guys will make a great pair. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. How about, um, again, this happened to you 20, 29 years old. Am I right about that? Yep. Okay. Um, were you in a relationship at that point? Nope. Had, nope. had you had relationships prior? Nope. Nope. Never, never. I mean, I've dated, but never been in a relationship. And I feel too, uh, and I was, back then I was all about sports. That was my, that was my thing. I don't have time. I don't have time to date men. I don't have time, you know, um, it was all about me and my sports. Mm-hmm. Um, and then now losing my vision i've dated but a lot of times i find and i've gone on those da- don't tell my parents i've gone on those dating those dating sites um and they're not always accessible but i found a way to make them work like bumble and i start talking with a guy and in my profile i would say i'm blind you know but they'd still reach out to me um and then when i bring it up again they just they ghost and it's like, really? Like they didn't see it at first. And then they were like, oh, geez. Yeah. Or some of them are like, hey, yeah, it's great. I'm, I'm cool with that. Then it's like, hey, you want to meet? And then they're gone. I, I, Sammy, you just said, don't tell my parents like you were 15. That was really interesting. <laughs> they, they're not going to listen to this podcast. Anyway, I, well, I, I have yeah, they're, other they're, friends, though. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're part of hearing and deaf. They're not listening to the podcast for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, are you okay with like humor around yeah. ab- about the stuff like it? So if you're with a person you trust, you care about, or you know, well, it, it's talked about make no differently than I, I don't know, break balls with a friend about something. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, and I, a lot of times I use my blindness as an icebreaker. Cause a lot of people are like, I don't know how to act around her. I don't know how to treat her. And so I'll use my blindness as an icebreaker and I'll, like, and I'll laugh about it. And they're like, okay, well, that's cool. You know, she's cool about it. I'm cool about I'll it. Let um, there. Yeah. Um, I thought for sure when you told me when you were on Bumble and they found out I was blind, they still tried to send you a dick pic. That was exactly where I <laughs> thought this was going. I thought, I thought guys are so wanting to do that, even if they don't even think you can say it. <laughs> Uh, I, well, I want to say it probably, I, I want to say one guy did. And I'm like, really? <laughs> <laughs> did he say? 
Uh, uh, I think I had, oh, because we had got to the point of texting. And so um, he had he's like, send me pictures of you. I'm like, how am I supposed to do that? <laughs> you should have told, you should have sent a picture of half your face in the armoire. <laughs> that would have, <laughs> would have been hilarious. <laughs> um, but, but he still did it. Huh? He still was like, here, let me show you. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, well, that doesn't help. <laughs> uh, yeah. We're fascinating so. people. Men in general, I mean, <laughs> that, that really made my point. And by the way, um, most people heard me say that and think, oh my God, Scott, you're ridiculous. But see, it happened. Um, it does. Oh, yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Trust me, I know people. Okay. So, um, <laughs> do you ever can, can I ask you a really uncomfortable question? Mm-hmm. You ever consider getting like a, I don't know what it's called, I guess it's a prostitute, right? Have you ever oh, thought of like that? Oh, like an escort type Yeah, like, thing? yeah, yeah. Have you ever thought of doing that? Um, <laughs> uh, as long as I don't share this with my family. Um, yes, I have. Um, oh. But it makes me fearful because of being taken advantage of. Yeah, you need a third um, party. You got to have a real good friend be your, um, your reverse pimp somehow. Like somebody's got to yeah. be there for you for safety. Yeah, I've, I've t- talked with one of my good friends, and she's helped me with stuff like that before. But it's always the, it's always the vulnerability that stops me. Sure. Um, no, I I would have a hard time imagining how you could get over it, but I still think you would think about it. Oh yeah, I mean even even going out for a walk, you know, I I really can't enjoy the sun. I can't enjoy hearing the birds. I have to pay attention to where I'm going and what's around me and all the noises around me to make sure that I stay safe. Yeah, because in a world where a guy would send a pic to a blind woman on Bumble, you need to watch out for yourself. Yes. Yeah, hundred percent. No, a million percent. Like I, yep. I, I definitely get that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um. It, it, do you have any other autoimmune issues? No, nothing um, else has ever um, come up. No, thyroid has always been normal. And I've heard you talk about that. Um, my mom and her mom has had thyroid issues, but thankfully mine has always been normal and I haven't had any issues with that. Ce- no celiac or anything like that digestion stuff. Um, I ended up getting gastroparesis in 2010, had no idea what it was. Um, lots of vomiting um, after meals and stuff. And then finally diagnosed. So I was on medication for the longest time. And, and, um, I went to a chiropractor cause I was having back issues. And after a couple adjustments, my gastroparesis went away. Really? I kid you not. Cool. I kid you not. Yep. Hey, listen, I don't know if there's any cause there, but good for you. And congratulations. Um, yeah. But now with dialysis, it's kind of returned coming back. Yes. So that's kind of, it's, it's, frust- <laughs> it's frustrating. Are you going to a dialysis center or are they doing it at home? Uh, center that's a lot for me it's it's more conducive to, to, to do a center than try to figure out doing it at yeah home. i kind of imagined but i just wanted to check and um yeah. are you wiped out afterwards does it kick your ass uh yes it does um even on my off days it's like i'm recuperating it's the weariness that is the biggest thing um the first week it was awful leg cramps all the time um, hard to breathe, shortness of breath, heart palpitations. But I guess that's kind of normal when you first started. And then after a while, your, your body gets used to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the weariness always stays. Um, so usually you have to take a nap in the afternoon. Because I have it in the morning from 7 to 11, three, four hours a day, three, three times a week. 
Um, and then afternoons I usually take a nap. And then on my days off, sometimes I'll take a nap up to twice a day. Yeah. It's just it's very, I can't work. Um, it's hard to really do anything chores or a chore. No, my, my, <laughs> no, pun intended. no, my friend went through dialysis and I know it was, it was really difficult. Um, Hey, did you switch to diet Mountain Dew? <laughs> no, I don't drink. Uh, the only thing I drink is water, strictly water. Good for you. Uh, <laughs> diet Mountain Dew is not that bad. I mean, if you're going to drink Mountain Dew, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, yeah. It's funny, too, because I remember it from when I'm your age. Like, I'm three years older than you. Um, but you guys, like, you don't know. Like, when Mountain Dew came out, it was so good. Oh, and, yeah. like, so different from ever, anything I'd ever had before in my life. And um, I don't know. Like, it just, I, I just, it's such an interesting time in our history where we, where we were able to make all these, like, so-called foods. And yet we never really considered what, if anything, they might be doing yeah very very yeah. addicting and i have read that's how what sugar does is makes you want more mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> so one one bite of a of candy or potato chips you know i mean just cake anything like that oh i gotta have another one one little pieces oh two little pieces is okay no three little, you know right. it, it adds up yeah it's like gambling almost you're like i'll yeah. just i'll just bet a dollar and then before you know it you're like i i, I lost 500 bucks and you know it's that it's that same sort of slippery slope thing. Um, what what am I not asking you that I should be? But what don't I know about your life that's interesting or or might be valuable for people to know? Um, pay attention. <laughs> pay attention to your diabetes for sure. Um, and it's not it's it's not a game. It's definitely not a game. Um, no matter how frustrating it, it can be or burdensome it can be you need to pay attention all the time um even you know when your sugars are high it it adds up it does damage yeah. and over years of that it's it's gonna hit you out of the blue you know and if you get married have kids and you miss out on that it's gonna hit you hard right. no i can't even i i genuinely can't imagine what's um what you're going through do you have a do you have a dog? Do you have a seeing eye dog? I do not. No. no. Um, you have to be to have a seeing eye dog. You have to travel quite a bit, out and about quite a bit. And I'm not. not I'm more of a homebody, so yeah. that wouldn't work. But I, you know, we have a dog here. We have a cat here. I have a I have a visually impaired cat. Um, <laughs> my younger brother thought it was cool if I had a blind cat for his blind sister. So yeah, we get along good. <laughs> we'll see. Well, your younger brother's got a it's got a good uh, vibe about him and, yeah. and, it, and I would imagine it helped you. You know, my brother has a, a one eyed cat and he said he, they went to a, um, they went to a shelter and they were looking at animals and he's like, I saw one that had just one eye and I thought, well, this is the one I'm going to help. That's it. And he, and he took it. Yeah. So, um, I mean, it's nice to help people that need help and it's nice to help animals that need help. Um, Absolutely. Yep. Uh, they can sense that just like people, I mean, they can sense when something's wrong with you, you know, they sense that you're sick. And so a lot of dogs tend to gravitate towards me because they know, they know I'm sick. Um, all of my brother's dogs, they gravitate towards me. Um, so, you know, in a way it's kind of cool that I get their attention and their love. <laughs> yeah. hundred percent. Wow. Well, I mean, is, is your attitude, 
I mean, I'm going to end on this for you. Okay. So is your attitude a, um, a function of your new perspective? Like, like I, I always say that like the more you experience in life, the more broadly your perspective grows. Right. And then the, the more you can kind of look at things and say, well, that's not important. Like things that you would hold as very important in the past, you know, aren't things that you would ignore, you know, are important, like that kind of stuff. You almost get the perspective of a person who's lost, I mean, a life almost, but you're still alive. And instead, so instead you're like, wow, I'm still here. And, and this is what, what it is. Like you're, you seem very kind. Do you think you're a kind person? Yeah, I, 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 I give more than I receive. I don't like receiving gifts. I feel people have pity on me, so they give me gifts um, or that I can't afford it. Um, um, so I, I give more. Because um, there's always somebody who's the least of you, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, there's always somebody who's worse off than you. So I, I find for me giving to others is, it, it helps. Yeah. It helps me. Um, Attitude-wise, still kind of cynical <laughs> at the world. Um, I mean, I know things are are slightly changing, but it's all. I feel like it's always going to be anybody with a disability is always going to be at the bottom of the totem pole, no matter what. We're always going to be shoved down there, and when we try to climb up, you know, we're pushed back down. So, trying to be an advocate and and fight for that and fight for rights. And, you know, there's laws that protect us, but they're not always followed, which is, which is frustrating too. Right. Um, I, I really believe in helping people uh, as a way to help yourself at times. Um, and I hadn't planned on talking about this, Sammy, but I do, do you listen to the podcast with any regularity? Um, sometimes it depends on what your, what your subject is. Okay. That's fair. Um, my mom's health is, uh, in a, in a sharp decline. And as a matter of fact, talking to you today is maybe the, the best thing I've done today. Um, and, uh, I, I actually appreciate the, the opportunity to not think about things for a little while, but I, um, Oh God, uh, I don't think my, I don't think my mom's going to live much longer. And, um, like we might be talking about days and, uh, my wife's like, why don't you cancel this recording this afternoon? And I said, no, like, you know, I just, I like it. I like helping people and I like making this recording. So it helps other people. And I, I felt like I was doing something today. And I'm in a position where I can't help my mom any longer. And I just thought, well, I'll, I'll try to help other people. And, um, I find it really rewarding, honestly, um, in ways that are hard to maybe to understand if you're not, uh, if you don't find yourself in this situation, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I get it. It's like you're, you're helping your mom or connecting with your mom by helping other people. Yeah, no, it, it definitely feels like I'm also very much, um, a problem solver and, uh, I, I think I'm a caregiver and, um, sometime about an hour before you and I got on, I think I made the last decision for my mom that I can make. And yeah. so, um, it's very, it's a very, um, lonely feeling to not be able to do something for her. And, um, and believe it or not, the way my brain works, uh, asking you that question about whether or not you thought about like getting an escort, I actually 
felt good about that question. I thought that's a really honest thing that people in your situation must go through. And I bet nobody asks them about it. Nope. Yeah. No, it's, it's one of those questions like, you know, can be too personal, but I, I've heard of, I mean, I've listened to other podcasts where, you know, whatever their disability is, they do, they, they go that direction because that's the only way they feel they can get connection and, love from somebody else and sometimes i feel that way too of it's from strangers versus family or friends um but again it's that vulnerability and afraid of being taken advantage of that <laughs> definitely holds me back right. well just get yourself a, a, a get yourself some muscle and uh a little bodyguard action you'll be okay um <laughs> what about other stuff like you know i mean what happens if you because the other thing i'm hearing from you is to me the the most restrictive part of your situation is uh, not being able to immediately get up and do something like that actually is the thing that hit me. Like, what if I want to go somewhere? I can't. What if I want to do this? Like I, I've got to ask another person like that, that thing um, I know is not, must not be fun, but what happens if you get it in your head? Like I want to smoke weed. Like, how do you make, how do you make things like that happen? No, good question. Find somebody, find a friend who does it and ask, hey, can you introduce me? <laughs> yeah, you need a facilitator um, for things. I don't just mean weed. I mean like anything. Like you need a facilitator for some of that stuff that's not yes. that's not the stuff we say out loud. Right. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because, again, a lot of websites are not accessible. They're not easy to navigate. You know, you hear link, 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 link. Well, what is this link for? Or blank, 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 blank. Well, <laughs> what's going on here? So, mm. Um, I mean, and there is a law, an ADA law, that websites are supposed to be accessible, but a lot of a lot of that is ignored. Um, and it's hard to, you know, I mean, there's just so much out there that you can't fight every single one. Um, but yeah, I have to depend on friends for that, kind of get a feeler out there of uh, if they're comfortable, if they're not comfortable, you know, um, and if I think of a friend that, oh, I'll ask her. Well, no, she doesn't, you know, the topic is yeah, kind of ignored. Or, yeah, yeah. You know. like what if you drop the hint? You're like, hey, mama's looking for some weed. And then they just kind of ignore you. And then you're like, oh, I said it. Nothing happened. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like that kind of thing. Uh, or even like, I mean, boy, that's you really would have to have a good friend to say, look, I know this is crazy, but I'm looking for an escort and I don't feel safe. And I need, I need, I need some help because if you, if we were friends and you asked me that, I'd be like, all right, like let's, I mean, cause now we're probably involved in something illegal, uh, to some degree or another, uh, but maybe mm -hmm. we could work it out online a little bit somewhere. And, and then I don't know, it's like, I don't know, maybe it would feel exciting, like a James Bond situation. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I think you should go for it, Sammy. <laughs> <laughs> if I do, I'll give you an update. <laughs> oh my God. Listen to me. Thank you. <laughs> if you. If you do that, honestly, I should be the person you call the next day. <laughs> you will get right back on here and we will talk all about that uh, for 100 percent sure. Uh, it really is. Um, I mean, it's a it's just a very interesting look you just gave us into uh, into a life that I don't think many people could understand. And I think you've also, you know, left a great message for people listening without trying to be scary. Like you're not, you're not yelling boo to them. Like you're saying, look, I, I did the things here. They are here was the outcome. Um, 
if you think it's not going to happen to you, you know, you're wrong. And I've, and I've used this example before. Um, and I'll, and I think it works here. You know, my father would all his whole life would say, I went to the doctor. He said, they can't even tell I smoke. And blah, blah, blah. And I was like, whatever. And then, you know, he died from, you know, heart failure from smoking and, you know, and, but his whole life, he was like, this isn't getting me. Like as he was, as it was killing him, he thought it wasn't getting him, yeah. you know, and he luckily lived into his seventies, but you know, it's not how it goes with this. This this blood sugar thing is woefully misunderstood by a great many people and incredibly impactful on your entire body, not just one part of it. Like you have blindness and your kidneys, blah, blah, blah. But that doesn't mean that, I mean, Sammy, I, I wouldn't say this unless I, unless I was very comfortable that you're a, a bright person and you know this already. There's no saying there's no damage in your heart. Or that there won't be one day, or any that that's uh, there's no saying this is the end of this even, and yeah. yeah, and it's not something that people talk about, and they should, and it's not people, it's not something people understand widely, and they should. So, yeah, yeah it's it's blindness is survivable. It's doable um, for sure. I'm a testament of that. Mm. I'm a testament of that. Um, but it's not something that I would wish on anybody or even myself. You know, I mean, if I could go again, talking prior, if I could go back, I would, I would, <laughs> I would go bankrupt to make sure my blood sugars were the way they were supposed to be. I was taking insulin like I should have been, and I was taking care of myself. Yeah. I would absolutely go back. I I fully expect that if I ever turn on the television and see Elon Musk saying he made a time machine, I'm going to see you bum rushing him on the stage. (laughs) (laughs) Whack him with my cane. Let me in there. (laughs) We're going Elon right now. Let's show all these people. Um, You know, I can't, I mean, again, just very kind of you to talk about all this and to let me be um, the way I am while we're talking about it. I don't even know, (laughs) even know how to describe myself sometimes, but it just to me seems like, like if we're going to talk about this, then let's really do it, you know? Yeah. And, and I appreciate you um, letting me come on because again, it's not, it's not a topic that's talked about, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's important that, that everybody knows parents, uh, teenagers, or, you know, whatever it may be that, Hey, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you may have to be a helicopter parent um, or a nagging parent, but it's extremely <laughs> important that, your child or yourself take the time to pay attention. Yeah. Yeah, You have to find a way, you have to find a way to be a parent and you have to believe that it's not always going to be like a great story. where like, Oh, I told them this and they really accepted it and everything's fine. They might not accept it, but still when it's over, if they're alive and their kidneys work and their eyes work, then you did it. You know, not not saying it has to be a battle, but it's, for some of you, it will be. Like, for some of you, you're going to, I mean, listen, Sammy, between you and me, you sounded difficult when you were younger. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. But, 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 if, but if I was your dad, I would have kept after you because I know better because I live in this time. Your father didn't know, right? Fair enough. But if yeah. he even would have got an inkling and said, oh, no, this isn't okay, and he would have rode you. You'd be in a better situation right now, even if you had a you you didn't like your dad because of how he treated, but you were healthy. 
Yeah. yeah. I would have thanked them. Yeah. Right. <laughs> As you get older, you're like, oh, looking back, oh, you know, that's why my parents said that, or that's why my parent did that, or preventing me from doing that. You know, right. I mean, when we're younger, we don't think about that. It's all about me and having fun and whatnot. And you don't think about the consequences of yourself or to other people and how that might affect them or yeah. yourself. And then when it happens, it's like, oh, yeah, I get it now. Right. But yeah. then it's too late. Yeah. If you expect to get paid right now for being a parent, you're out of your mind. You have to live long enough for your kids to get old enough for them to go, oh, wow, that was great what they did for me. And then they still might not say it to you. So, yeah. okay. you know, it's not a job. It, you know, if you're looking to get paid to be a parent, like it's it's not really how it works. So, um, all right, Sammy, I appreciate this very much. Can you hold on one second for me? Yep. Thank you. How about Sammy, huh? Just that was terrific. Really terrific. Thank you so much, Sammy. And thank you. And thanks to I still can't talk. And thanks to can I be honest with you guys? I got like three hours of sleep last night and it's like nine o'clock at night. And I realize I got to go to bed. So I want to thank Sammy. I want to thank you for listening. I want to thank Dexcom for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. And uh, remind you to go to Dexcom.com forward slash juicebox to get started today with the G6 or the G7, whatever your preference is. They have it at my link. Also want to remind you to go to touchedbytype1.org and look through that tab, uh, programs tab, see all the great stuff they're doing there and find them on Facebook and Instagram. I'm just going to cut my losses here and say thank you so much for listening. I'll be back very soon with another episode of the Juicebox podcast, but I promise I'll sleep before I put the next episode together for you. Thanks, guys. Have a good day.